share this hour with you we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring you guys know i like to start by thanking ms beverly black and tribe family channel for helping me create this space for us tribe family channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life spirit business and culture including the woman at the well hosted by ms beverly black herself Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel, and though we've grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I also want to say thank you to my guest on the September 13th show, author and inspirational speaker, Tawana Williams. You can connect with Tawana at www.tawanawilliams.com. If you missed that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the September 13th show at the somewhere in the middle podcast.com. I want to give a shout out to Bruce George of the genius is common movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is such an important message for the youth guys, but remember it's not just for the kids. Sometimes we adults need to be reminded that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. Now, this week's guest is just awesome, and I can't wait to introduce her. Leslie Ann Rozick moved to Las Vegas 20 years ago with dreams of illuminating the neon lights beyond measure. With no decent plan of action, she studied many different areas of interest, and then, after nine years of study, she graduated from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, UNLV, with a bachelor's degree in political science. While attending college, Leslie Ann worked in three high-profile resorts as a security manager on the infamous Las Vegas Strip. That unique hands-on experience was just what Leslie Ann needed to fulfill her illuminating leadership dreams, although she didn't know it at the time. With encouragement from senior leadership, Leslie Ann took a risk and entered the realm of loyalty marketing as a developer. She didn't have any marketing experience, yet from her background in improv and speech performance, she stumbled upon her true passion for motivational speaking. After tremendous success, Leslie Ann felt it was time to spread her wings and empower her experiences beyond the casino realm. She became a certified professional coach, then created and developed her coaching company, Leslie Ann Coaching. Leslie Ann has built her company out of her love of nature, leadership development, and the art of healing your wounded inner child. She's developed a revolutionary training program called Hikes Heal for individuals and corporate leaders to help heal the emotional injuries of the walking wounded so they can be true, powerful leaders. 
Leslie Ann has found the best way to teach and help heal is outside, in nature, beyond the walls of the boardroom. So I'd like to welcome Leslie Ann Rosick Stevenson to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Leslie Ann, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show because you do some really neat work. And I would love to learn more about your journey. And that's really what we're interested in on this show. And so I like to start my interview with two questions. And if you're all set, I'll ask you those two questions. All right, hit it. All right. Leslie Ann Rosick Stevenson, who are you? And how did you become who you are today? Ooh, that's pretty good. I like those. Those are very deep. Uh, that is very good. So who am I? I am just an individual who makes life special. So I got to that road because I always thought that my journey in life was to save lives. So I became a paramedic when I was younger. Um, and then I moved to Las Vegas because I had an injury. So uh, my dreams of being a paramedic were shattered. So I moved to Las Vegas and then I found that the security field kind of fit my I guess you can say expertise back in the day. So I was security for 17, almost 18 years on the security strip. I was a security manager on the strip. And then um, through a couple incidences that um, kind of shifted my life, we had some security calls that were kind of like rough. Um, I decided I wanted to change careers and then I became a marketing developer for our rewards cards. And um, through that time of transitioning from <laughs> throwing people out of the casino, not literally, <laughs> but, um, and then to try to bring people in, shifted my whole perspective on people, uh, how people thought, what people are doing, because my mind at first was always um, to save people. So it's like, you're gonna do bad to that person, so I need to protect you. Or here's a wound, so here I go, and I'll put a Band-Aid on it. And, if you really look into the word of saving, it's actually just breathing life within them. Mm -hmm. And the words I was using in security weren't really breathing life into a person. They were kind of breathing words out. And while keeping people in the casino, I was actually breathing life into them, letting them know that they had value and they were able to play within a casino. So I wanted to go deeper and figure out how um, that kind of was relevant in my life. And I had some amazing leaders along the way who put me through coaching school. So I went to IPEC and became a certified professional coach. And from that, I learned that my whole viewpoint of saving lives uh, needed a change because saving lives is actually, you can do that, but it's breathing life into them for me now more with words, through emotions, through giving them value and just letting them know that they're special. So that kind of moved into my coaching and I started my own business and within nature, I take people out on healing heights called Heights Heal and we have a coaching session where we remove all the barriers of corporate world, kids crying, um, husbands, wives, you know, whatever it is like that's distracting and we solely focus on what you need to do to get to where you are and we heal basically, you know, you can heal like the physical, mental, spiritual being of an individual but if you want to sum it up in one word, it's just healing the inner child because that is the most damaged of any person. And when we're able to focus on it without the ego or the reality of people saying that things should be a certain way, um, 
they get healed immensely a lot faster. And with the elements of nature, it's just rewarding because they don't have anything but support for me and the elements around them to help them. That's fascinating that you um, particularly work in nature and you do hikes. How does a healing hike work? What is a healing hike exactly and how does it work? So basically a healing hike is we have a couple, um, we have a couple sessions like over the phone, like a basic coaching session, just so I can figure out where maybe the physical level is or where your emotional level is or what we're going to have to do. And then usually the third or fourth, depending on the patient or client, because each individual is different. So depending on them, I take them on a hike. So we'll go up to Mount Charleston. I had one client from Canada flew in and we went to Red Rock. And it's all just the different areas around here. Um, and it's just checking out the elements and being within an element. And um, each hike has a different challenge for an individual. So my favorite one is uh, Cathedral Rock over at Mount Charleston because it's a climb. You have to climb up to the viewpoint of where it is. And I take them through the climbing journey of where they want to be and what they have to get rid of to get to that point. So we have various activities where I will have them name a rock for every time they complain. It's either hot, it's cold, it's windy, it's um, any type of excuse or complaint for like to have them get pity, I tell them to carry a rock. And then because how you do one thing in life is how you do everything. So if you don't like to do something in life, we always try to find an excuse. And so where else does that show up in your life when things get trouble? All right, I find an excuse maybe not to do something or why I can't do that. So this way you said you can't fail. Well, if you say that you're not going to do something, you actually failed anyway. So just getting to that point and you have to name the rock and you have to carry it with you. And once we get to the top, some people have about 20 to 30 rocks and they name them and we do a releasing where we release the rocks over the edge. There's no hikers underneath. We already checked nothing and we release it back into the area. So they cannot bring the same baggage with them down. So it's called self-emptying self or kenosis. Mm. And they're able to just release the complaints, the drama that shows up every day, but doing it through nature, through physical activity, you're able to program it within your mind, within your body viscerally. So you know how you act during different parts and different things of the day. Sometimes they're about the kids. Sometimes they're about, you know, the parents or the husbands or the wives or whatever. So it's, so that's what we do with those coachings. So we have the coaching up until the hike and that hike, I have a pretty good reference of what we need to get rid of. So mm -hmm. then we have that thing visually and viscerally and kinesthetically where they can release that and say no more. Okay, so I'm really um, a little stuck. Maybe I don't know enough about this process. So okay. you said this is a form of pro, like mental programming or, or it sounds like deprogramming. Yes. <laughs> so give me an example. Let's say, you know, what, how does this, so you would have a conversation and maybe someone's having issues around, let's say, work. Okay. You know, their career. And then after a few of these conversations, you take them on this hike when you say that they pick up a rock for each time that they complain or something like that you mean when they're complaining about the hike or just in general or what kind of conversation is going on during that hike it's in general so if they complain about their husband and i'm just 
throwing that out there. Not mm -hmm. all husbands are great, but everybody <laughs> has, everybody has, you know, an issue at times. Right. Um, they even complain about me. So it's mm -hmm. like, then pick up a rock. Why do you have me doing this? Pick up a rock. You'll find out soon. Um, so it's trusting the process. It's learning how to trust the process and release the excuses. So it could be about the weather on the hike. Um, since I've been able to have coaching sessions with them before the initial hike, I kind of know a couple trigger points that they have. So it's just like asking questions that start to develop some weird feelings. And it's like, okay, describe that. And if a complaint comes out of it, it's like, okay, pick up a rock. And also I forgot to tell you about that is they have to name the rock. So it's like the excuse, like I'm going to throw away, you know, like when we do the releasing at the top, it's like, I'm going to throw um, and get rid of all of my excuses that I'm not good enough or I'm not pretty enough, or I'm not fit enough, or I'm not, you know, skinny enough or fat enough or, you know, whatever it's, they name the rock. But weren't you, I'm curious. Cause no, go right ahead. Yeah. I'm curious because when we talked about this before, I think you were specifically interested in working with, or had been working with some veterans. Am I remembering I have, correctly? I have. I have worked with veterans. I have broadened it a little bit more because I know that everybody has um, a form of trauma within their life. Right. So a trauma. So I was at first when we when we did talk about I was very first focused on the veterans because I saw so many of them um, that need help, and they, and that's good. And also I found out is that everybody, the more clients that I started getting is everybody actually has a trauma hidden within them. May it be a divorce, a car accident. Um, some have been involved in active shooters. They didn't have to be, but the way the school processes or some things like that, the way the world is right now. Mm -hmm. um, so everybody has a certain trauma. So we get to that point of what happened and actually, we, we come to find out through studies that traumas also affect your inner child. And so now it comes more and more that um, if you're in, uh, if you're like, say like a 50 year old individual mm -hmm. and then something triggers you, like, I can't believe this is the way that things always happen for me. That is their, whatever age that that trauma was, I guess, um, complicated or injected at the time. Mm -hmm. It's the age that they will stay at with that until they get healing. So I could be talking to a 54 or 55 year old individual, but if that trauma happened to them when they were 12, their 12 year old person is talking to me. So we have to heal that 12 year old person because stories upon stories upon stories get layered up upon what the true trauma was. And how do you, how do you tell when the initial trauma was? We, so actually I asked them, what is their earliest memory of something similar, similar to an incident that they talked about happened? So if somebody um, gets ridiculed, and a big one is so somebody gets ridiculed about their weight mm -hmm. and say, okay, what is the earliest time in your life that you can remember somebody criticizing you about your weight? And they're like, well, when I was 12, this happened. I says, Okay, can you remember any time younger, when you were maybe six, when you were five? They're like, no. Or some people be like, yeah, I remember when I was little, something like this happened, you know, and it says, don't eat so much or eat all your food on your table or else you're not going to get dessert mm. or, you know, something like that about the weight. So we try to go as far back into their mental mind as possible 
to figure out where that issue is around. And then we go ahead and we say affirmations were like, you didn't know better at the time. It is okay. You are allowed to go ahead and live your life of peace, happiness, and well-being. And then they release, you know, the trauma. But we have to do that a couple of times because you have to say it viscerally through your body, through your mind, um, and kinesthetically to really, really process that your body is healed and that it is okay to eat that apple or leave something on your table if you're not hungry. Talk to me about the kin kinesthetic. Kinesthetic. Yes. Thank you. The okay. You're welcome. Um, because how does, I have heard, and I don't, you know, I'm not an expert in um, dealing with trauma in particular, mm -hmm. but I have heard that we tend to hold trauma in parts of our body. Is that uh, something that you're familiar with or that you're aware of? Actually, that is very true. And that's when we need to also get rid of it kinesthetically and viscerally. So like kinesthetic is more through movement. Mm -hmm. Viscerally is more within like the, the veins, the body, the cells um, that hold, because your cells have like a, a muscle memory type quite thing, like a muscle membrane or mm -hmm. a memory membrane. There we go. You know, around what's going on. So basically um, when we do a breathing exercise when we're also there, Mm -hmm. uh, so it's just so we can focus and bring our mind into where we're supposed to be. But also after we find out what age, um, that a certain situation might've happened, I also then have them scan their body. So then it's going to be like, okay, well, where do you feel this? They're like in my heart. A lot of people will say in my heart. I'm like, okay. And then the next question is like, okay, where else do you feel it? A lot of people feel it in their stomach because we have a lot of stuff and a lot of memories and issues and complaints and everything stuck in our stomach. Um, so there are different like yoga moves that we can do for that. There's a lot of breathing techniques for it, but it's also visually and in your mind, releasing that trauma from your body, just seeing it leave. And when you throw like the rock over the edge, it's still like another thing of I'm releasing that from my body. So you feel it within your stomach and then you literally throw that energy out with you when you're throwing the rock. Sorry, I jot notes, so. No, that is okay, it's great. I like to make sure, because sometimes it takes a minute to process. So that's why I like to give people time to catch up. Or if I do speak too fast, that is another problem. I'm from Chicago, so we talk very fast. <laughs> uh, Chicagoans don't talk so fast as those New Yorkers. I mean, well, that's true. <laughs> um to catch up and if there's questions you know just let me know yeah no i think this is really interesting because it um made me what the reason i paused too was i was thinking about uh yoga because i was just talking with one of the instructors over there the other day asking why does he think that certain memories seem to trigger um in certain positions. Cause I noticed that, you know, the more I do yoga, uh -huh. a memory will trigger something I hadn't thought about in 20 years will trigger, yep. you know, and it's not necessarily a bad memory. It's just a memory. Like the other day I was in, uh, last week I was in yoga class and I had a memory of a wine tasting back in New Orleans, back in 
I can't even say how many years ago, like probably 18 years ago. Wow. <laughs> Just out of nowhere. And it, what I saw was the flash of the, the wine guy holding the bottle and the label of the wine and him pouring the wine. And I was like, that is so weird. I hadn't thought about that in years and years and years. Because in, well, I, what, did, when, what did he tell you about that? He didn't, he said he, he just knew that it happened. He didn't know why. He didn't know why it happened. Ooh, I don't think we know why exactly it happens because we're now we're still learning about how the body stores information. Mm -hmm. And it is through the movement, but because we store things in different places, that's why acupuncture is very, very good. Massages are good just because of the healing power to move that energy out. But we store things just in interesting areas and then without going too deep, but that's why it's also interesting to know if your chakras align, because if it happens within different areas of your body, it can tell you the different pain points that you also have too. So if it's in like your stomach, it's like grounding, you're, you're safekeeping. So it's like, okay, something here I needed to be held safe with. And so that's why in your stomach, you're holding all of this information in. Mm -hmm. Now I have a pain point all the time in my throat, throat chakra, because when I was younger, I used to stutter very, very bad. And I always thought that kids, well, they did make fun of me, but I thought like I wasn't good enough because I had the speech impediment. And I went to school for years and years and years to some intense speech therapy to help me to get over my speaking impediment. Oh, wow. And that was a thing. And now for my speaking engagements, I thought I released that information. I thought I did. I was like, you know what? It's good. No problem. But I had a very, very big um, conference that I had to speak at and my throat just closed up and it felt like a balloon was in my throat and it hurt. Wow. So I was just like, okay. So I had to take myself through the healing process before I got on stage because I was intimidated. I was brought to my little, little, um, it was in the fifth grade, little, little girl. And it's just like, it's okay. You've been through the process. You know, you're good. It's okay. You know, all the times you did this one. And then I just hugged myself in my mind and mm -hmm. then went out there and delivered a great speech. So it's, it's at that time, like the different areas will tell you where you have different traumas from. Right. Have broken bones. They step on something a certain way or if something, um, like a similar incident happens, they'll mm -hmm. feel it in that leg, in like the broken area. Right. So it's, and, and, and my little seven-year-old niece, I love her to death, she goes, I just have growing pains. Well, if you really think about it, sometimes when the bones grow, you might experience pain. So she was cracking me up. Right. <laughs> I thought she was joking around, but I'm like, you know, she might have a point though. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's funny that you mentioned that one because my oldest used to have severe, oh my goodness, she used to feel every time she grew and it was uh, terrible for her on her legs in particular when she was really little and even now she's a big old giant baby about anything <laughs> anything <laughs> that hurts <laughs> um that's fascinating no I think it's really interesting because you know I know like for example about holding stress like I tend to hold stress in my shoulders and my back and has to do with my posture and the way I sit at the computer. And so I know about those things, but I never really thought about where I might be holding um, trauma physically in the body. Is there some thing that, you know, just a regular person 
at home could do to maybe assess themselves or think about, you know, figuring out if they have some trauma and if so, where they're holding it in their body. Yes. So it's actually, I learned this. I wish I can coin it, but I can't. Um, I learned this is called box breathing. And I learned this from a Navy SEAL who taught me how to um, relax myself during a stressful situation. Because mm-hmm. with all those incidents, when I had, when I was um, in security, we had too many incidents that happened right away and I didn't know how to release it. Mm-hmm. So box breathing is what you do is breathe you, you let all the bad air out. So it's like, you know, if you want to make it sound worse or whatever, it's like you can, you know, it's not really about the noise. Mm-hmm. It's time. Um, but you then inhale for five seconds. So it's one, two, three, four, five. Now you hold your breath for five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. Now you let your air out for five seconds, not all at once, but for five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. Now you hold your breath again for five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. And then you repeat the cycle. You inhale for five. Hold it for five. Release for five. And now you hold it again for five. And you do that for about five times. Mm -hmm. And after your five times of box breathing that you do it, you scan your body literally. How does my head feel? How does my eyes feel? How does my nose? So you're doing an internal scan. So if you want to pretend like you're doing like the Incredibles and scanning your body (laughs) and just scan it down and then be like, okay, do I have any pain in that area? Nope. Then you move on to the next one. Do I have any pain in this area? Nope. Ooh, I got some pain in my shoulder. Okay. And then you just work your way down all the way into your feet. And then you do your internal scan of the body and you breathe it through. So say I, I was saying that my shoulder was tight. Mm-hmm. So then you breathe into your shoulder. And you just, all you have to do is you do your box breathing because that focuses, it's a box. And you focus your breathing on that. And it's whenever you breathe it out, you're breathing out the stress and the pain that you have in that area. But if someone wanted to try and figure out what was causing it, would they get some idea during this exercise of what's causing it? Some might come to it. Um, some might say something felt weird. It was, and it's like, okay, you're learning. I mean, that's, it's new because breathing is so crucial. We really suffocate ourselves. We don't breathe enough. Um, and then some people might cry. Um, I've had one client, she was crying. She goes, I don't know why I'm crying. And I says, well, just feel it first. And then it was on a hike and we just talked it through and it came up to a childhood memory. Oh. So there's, there's a couple different, and you might not see it right away, but start, the first thing is to take note of where you kind of hurt within your body. Sometimes it is just stress in the way that you're feeling, um, bad posture. I'm bad for it. My mom would be like, yeah, you know, hold your shoulders back. I'm like, okay, um, walk straight. But then there is some areas where, you know, in my neck or, um, if I have an earache, yeah, sometimes it's from allergies, 
but other times it's because I'm dehydrated. Oh. It's interesting. People have different uh, ways of doing all the things. It's not usually in my stomach or my mouth. It's like, okay, I need to get, and as soon as I have two glasses of water, I'm fine. Interesting. So there are actual physical things that we may not be paying attention to is what I'm hearing too. Things like yep. not drinking enough water. Yep. Yep. And the thing is the tip of, you're supposed to, according to the studies out there, which I don't, you, you, you know, I don't know how accurate or whatever they are, but according to the studies, you're supposed to drink half your body weight in ounces. I know for a fact, I don't do that all the time, but when I'm out on a hike, if my ear starts to hurt, I know that I'm not drinking enough water. And that just comes through practice, trying things out. It's like, oh, I'm dehydrated. That's my sign. Mm, okay. And a lot of it's trial and error. You'd be like, okay, the shoulder. That's why I really believe, like, you don't have to come to me, but any life coach, a certified, qualified, highly reputable coach is very good to help point out things. You can't coach yourself. As much as I tried, <laughs> like, I am good here. I have to do, I have to try and just, or just talk it with somebody who can give you, or who could just listen. A lot of family and friends give you their constructive criticism about what they know. So that's why coaching is just important. Just be like, you know what? I got this pain kind of right here. What do you think that means? Or I'm tweaked out. Or you know what? I'm going to take some ibuprofen. Well, maybe you might not eat ibuprofen. You might just need, you know, to breathe or have a glass of water or just stretch a different way. So do you find that um, a lot of people coming to you are clear about what their issues are? Or they are they get clear about what the issues are through the work with you? All that they have is like, I got issues. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, some people are clear. Some people are says, you know what? I need to do this. But once we find out, okay, they might need to get to point A and then, or they're at point A, they want to get a point C, but they don't know that they need to go to point B, which is something totally different. And then once we get to that point, it's like, you know what? I don't want that after all. This is what I want. So it's kind of getting clear on who you are. Mm -hmm. um, knowing, well, why, if they do come to me saying, this is what I want coaching on, I'll be like, okay, why? Well, I think I need to improve here. Okay, why? And I kind of sound like Elmo, why? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, well, why? Um, because through that clarity, there's a lot of things that it's like, you know what? No, I don't want that. Or repeating back to them, you know what? This is what I heard you say. Is that what you meant to say? Oh, no. Well, what did you mean? I don't know. Well, you do know. So just take your time and let's try to figure out what it is. Mm -hmm. um, but most of them come and I have one lady who she texts me, help. I'm like, okay, breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes, I need to go on a hike. I'm like, okay. Um, and we go and it's, it's you and it's tools that we've given before, but they're in, you know, kind of like a context that, oh my God, how do I use them? Well, you have the tools, trust yourself. And then here we go, you know, from now on. And it's tough because it's a process. You have sometimes with some of my clients, they're older, they're like divorced or retired and they need to find out who they are again. It's like, I've been programmed or done this job for years. I'm retired and I have no idea who I am. Yeah. Or a divorce. I have one lady, she just got a divorce. She goes, I've just been divorced and I had the kids. Now the kids are grown and I got divorced and I have, I feel worthless. Okay, well, why? And then going through this and then helping. So you kind of got to, 
like deprogram it first. It's not all sunshine and rosy. Like, like coaching isn't like always think positive. It's just like, okay, feel it. That's some cruddy stuff I'm feeling right now. I'm like, all right, feel it, cry it. We got some nasty crying tears sometimes happening. It's like, cry it, feel it. Let's get all that stuff out. And then let's move forward. What is one way we can move forward? Well, what's another way we can move forward? So I'm curious, and this is me being curious because I couldn't even imagine going on a hike, let alone climbing some rock. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, girl. Um, But I'm curious. I mean, do you get all kinds of people with at different levels of physical fitness and all that? And and if so, how do you how do you get gauge that? How do you determine what they can and can't do or should or shouldn't do at what point? So we do have the assessments. And so it's like the assessment, like the first couple coaching calls. And then um, the first, very, very first hike is actually just like a little, it's a huge park out here, but it's a huge nature area, which is flat. Mm. And then, so it's just, we just walk around, kind of see, I can see their physical level because some people say that they're more physical than they like to say. And then other people have a lot more in them than they say. So it's kind of like both worlds. So it's just like, okay, seeing like what would be good, what, you know, um, what will be helpful. But then there are some where it's like, they're good and they need a little push. All right, let's see what we can do. No, I don't want to, let's just try. And then they get to the top and it's just like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Like, yeah, you did it. What do you want to do next? Okay. And it's trying to see what you can do because there's that always that fear of failure. So it's kind of like that assessment at first mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, let's assess you. Let's see what's going Because there are many trails that are um, nice and easy that we can do that are loops around Mount Charleston that are flat. Okay. Um, but then there's other ones that there's more challenging where one lady was more fit than I am and she showed me up. I was like, <laughs> I was like, can we stop for a second? And she turned it on me. She goes, what, are you whining? I'm like, no, I'm like, I can't breathe. I'm like, I really can't breathe. <laughs> um, you know, so it's just like, I'm like, ooh, okay. Um, so there's different tiers. And it's just basically like the more advanced and the more we have, I have, um, I just introduced a two-day one where we do a night um, where we camp at night. Um, so we have that on a trail. So there's a couple different things that I'm introducing just to see, cause nature has so many healing powers. Mm-hmm. And all that I have to say is just like, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, a lot of people like to hike, you know, it's good. They're like, well, I'm a hiker. Well, yeah, but do you know how to leave what you learned on your hike on the hike and not bring all that trauma back with you? Oh, cause people bring a lot of crud back with them. Like, yeah, I need to go out on a hike. I've been on a hike. Cool. Good. Good for you. Love you. I think that that's great. But what, how much more of a hike would it be if you just left all of that trauma right there and not brought it back? How would that look for your family, for your team, for your work environment, for you? Because a lot of people don't know how to release it. Right. So the hike itself, it sounds like almost like a discovery journey of... Mm -hmm. Am I interpreting that well? You're doing good. I like to say it's a quest. Okay. Um, just because it's like, okay, like, what can we find out? I'm a big sci-fi junkie. So it's like, okay, what can I find out here? Like, okay, what's going ahead? Um, one lady called it a pilgrimage. I'm like, ah, but a pilgrimage is a couple more days. 
than we just had a day. But for her, I think like a year like got condensed into a day because we did a lot of healing um, mm -hmm. for her that day. Uh, but it's just different things. And it's knowing how to use that experience for the benefit of you. I, I'm still just fascinated by the concept. You know, just being in nature obviously has healing properties, just, just being out. But, and I know hiking is a huge thing out here in California, which I'm kind of like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. I, I'm like, that, that goes against my Southern sensibilities. <laughs> uh, the Chicago girl in me is like, really? Hiking? Okay. Mountains? Sure. We have flatland. <laughs> right. And I'm like, well, it's pretty. And I get one, you know, but I'm like, hiking? Really? Okay. <laughs> so I think it's really a fascinating concept that you would. So what I'm, what I'm grappling with a little bit is the what takes place on the journey? Is it really just conversation or is it kind of internal work that people are doing? Well, it's, you know, I don't want to use the word coaching, but it is coaching. So it is coaching a lot. is a lot of conversation, mm -hmm. but it's, it's the conversation of what are you really, and actually we talked about it before, like the clarity of like, what is it you're really trying to tell? What is, and getting so crystal clear. And once you get so clear on say the trigger or the trauma or the, the thing that's causing you so much trouble, you're finally there. And then the whole thing is we just learn how to release it with tears, with sometimes screams. Um, you're in nature, you could scream as loud as you want. Um, sometimes with breath, just because you're in there, you have so much oxygen that the trees give in and the trees want your stuff because it needs the carbon dioxide for them to grow. So it's just this cycle and you learn like the cycle and not to coin a Disney thing, but the cycle of life. <laughs> um, and, and that's what it is. It's like you're, you're breathing in the nature to heal, but also you're healing nature in return by giving it the carbon dioxide it needs to go ahead and heal. That's a beautiful uh, concept. That's a beautiful concept and makes perfect sense too as to why this is so helpful in some ways, you know, like nature needs us as much as we need nature in some ways. And some people, they always want to be of service. It's like, I got to be of service to something. Like I got to give, 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 give. Okay. But in order to give, you need to learn how to receive. Mm -hmm. So basically teaching that in nature, you're both giving and receiving from each other. And sometimes there was one, I didn't talk or the individual, my client didn't talk for almost about 30 minutes. She just breathed and cried and watched. I don't know exactly what she was watching, but I think it was the sway of the wind. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, she was just there. And then she held my hand and cried. And we did like a little prayer and then a little like meditation type thing. And, um, for me, it was very powerful, that one, just because it's sometimes you don't even need to talk to release and heal. So you're, you're really facilitating. I'm a guide. Basically, yeah. I call myself a high skill guide. Like I am a certified professional coach, but I'm a guide. You have the healer within you. I'm not a healer. I don't, you know, I, if people need healing with that, like go ahead. But I'm teaching you how to use the elements of nature to heal whatever you need to heal within. I think it's beautiful. I think it's amazing work. And I, I really think it's fabulous what you're doing. Um, so Leslie Ann, what do you want to share with our 
our listeners, do you have any events, speaking engagements coming up or anything that you'd like them to know about? I don't have the date solidified yet, but in June, I do have a speaking engagement over at the Red Rock Theater. It's a new community center that just opened up. Um, that is in the works currently right now. Um, basically, if you want more information about what I do on the hikes or what's going on or what you can experience on a hike, feel free to email me at leslie at leslieandcoaching.com. And we can, you know, talk and I'll further advise you about, you know, the process, or you can check out my website at www.leslieandcoaching.com. And there you'll have a full dissertation about Hikes Hill. And even though we talked about the individual that I help, um, I do also help corporations. And basically in order we heal their inner teamwork, basically is what it called, because in order to really understand how a team works, you need to remove them from the environment that they're in. Mm-hmm. Like, let's see what teams. So I've taken a couple corporations out on called healing hikes and I put them in controlled stress, stressful situations. And then we learn how to maneuver ourselves out of them. Very cool. Yes. Very cool. Oh. And you're, and you're based out of Vegas still, right? I am based out of Vegas. I have a new client though from Canada. So now I'm international. Uh, you gotta, gotta, gotta let my husband know that yes, it counts internationally. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's cool. But yeah, Vegas and looking, cause now since I have the good foundation, um, before I went further, I want to make sure that the foundation was really good and we had something here. Right. So, um, now I know that it works and I can see the powerful it is. I just want to share it with the world just because first of all, I love nature. So I want nature to heal from us because, um, you know, I mean, that's another podcast that we can get into, but, um, I want to just, you know, show how we can heal nature and yes, we belong in nature, but we need to take care of nature. Exactly. So, you know, it's just balance. Exactly. That's awesome. That's absolutely beautiful. Leslie, can they catch up with you on social media also? Oh yeah. Um, I always forget about that. I don't know why they can catch me on social media. There's two areas on Facebook. I'm at Leslie and coaching. So you can go ahead and just look me up there. Or I just uh, launched the hikes heal group. So you can uh, go hikes heal group. Uh, I am on LinkedIn under Leslie and coach and Instagram under Leslie and coach, just because uh, I like to just post some funny stuff that we do in nature too, because nature is a playground. So we like to play too. Um, cause you gotta heal your inner child and her kids like to play. So we play a lot in nature and we post a lot of goofy stuff. Well, when you put together a group that's just going to go to a playground and get on the swings and the slides, I'm there. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Oh, no problem. Look at you. Look I don't know. Hike one of these days. Yeah. I don't know about that hiking business, but I do <laughs> love the swing set. I'm not going to lie about that. <laughs> they are cool. So does my puppy dog, my little puppy dog. He loves to swing. Awesome. Then he and I will go on the swings while you guys hike. <laughs> All right. Got you. <laughs> Leslie, and thank you so much for being on Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, I look forward to hearing more great things about you. After this message, our good friend Julia Black will be joining me for True Talk. I know building a website can be intimidating, but you need a place where your audience can connect with you. Instead of fighting with technology, try the easiest, most flexible website builder available. With templates for all types of websites, 
ranging from landing pages to e-commerce. Urban Book Editor's platform makes creating an author website quick and easy. Just add a section, upload your photos and videos, type your text, and you're in business. It couldn't be easier. And if you sign up for an annual plan, you can get 10% off the first year. Just use discount code first year. That's one S T Y E A R. The number one S T Y E A R in all caps. Take advantage of the 14 day free trial. No credit card is needed. Visit urbanbookeditor.com and select create your author website from the menu bar at the top of the page. No more struggling with technology. No more paying a small fortune to developers. Create beautiful websites without learning to code. Spend more time writing and less time worrying about your website. Just go to urbanbookeditor.com and select create your author website. You'll see how easy it is to build a great website to showcase your work. Go to urbanbookeditor.com and select create your author website today. And we are back with Julia Black and True Talk. Hey, Julia. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. How are you? I am good, good, good. Thank you. And you know, it's, it's good because um, we just had a discussion ourselves about health and, and feeling well and taking care of ourselves and things like that. You know, I was sick last week. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Um, and I don't get sick often. And it really kind of reminded me about, you know, all the changes that, you know, I've made certainly in the last year and a half or so uh, regarding my health and, and just the things that we do to make our health a priority and how that really reflects how we value ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I've been you know, the last probably six or seven years, I've had to do a lot of changes too, just with my own health issues. Um, I focused, I, I kind of struggled with chronic pain. And so there was a lot of changes and stuff that I had to make um, to really take a lot better care of my body than I was doing. So um, it hasn't been easy, but I think I figured out, I'm figuring out a system. When it's a lot of different things that come together, right? Like, um, for me, one of the challenges that I've had, you know, especially being in Atlanta, because here everything is, is, I don't want to say everything is, is close, but unlike where I was in Atlanta, the good stuff that I like isn't necessarily something I have to go across town for. I have to go to another city for, Mm -hmm. I can find it like five minutes, 10 minutes from where I live. Whereas when I was in Atlanta, if I wanted to, you know, go to hot yoga, for example, you know, that was, that's how I like to work out. I don't like, you know, I'm not crazy about the gym, you know, I'm, I'll do the treadmill, but I don't like, I don't like the LA fitness type places or places where people, you know, seem very jockey and all that. Mm-hmm. I like the hot yoga and I would have to go across town for that. Mm-hmm. You know? So that made it, almost prohibitively time consuming, you know, because of traffic and distance and all of that. So even though it might be, let's say 30 minutes to get down to Decatur from where I was to get to a hot yoga class or get down to Emory for a hot yoga class on a Saturday, 
if you try to do that during the week, you're looking at an hour to an hour and a half sometimes because of the traffic, right? Well, yeah. Where you're from. Yeah. And so, when I was, yeah. And when I was in a corporate, when I was in the corporate world, um, I was often driving um, an hour and a half, sometimes, you know, two or three hours, depending on how bad traffic was and whether it was raining, because it is California. I was driving a lot too. So then I'd get home and it'd be, you know, I'd be starving. So I'd have to eat. Um, and then I'd just be done. So there wasn't, I, I didn't make the time um, because I was just so exhausted that it was like, no, I clearly need sleep right now. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, but that's important too. That's another part of taking oh, care of yourself. Yeah. So recognizing that you need rest and, and doing that. But lifestyle makes such a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And so I think what we're both, ex what we both experienced um, yeah. and shifting gears and no longer going into someone's office you know, shifting gears and building our own businesses has given a lot much, a lot more flexibility in terms of being able to do some of those other things like mm -hmm. go to the gym or go to yoga, whatever it is that, mm -hmm. that we feel like we want to do, which I know for, for you, it's probably yoga too, right? Yeah, it is, it is yoga. Although, although, um, my, my favorite type of yoga is yin yoga. Um, which is a much slower, much more meditative type of yoga. But it also includes, for something that's more active, um, I, I go on a couple of walks a week um, that are at least two miles. Sometimes I take the dog, sometimes I don't. Um, so I, so I do, I include walks as well. Um, the other thing that's, that I've actually been able to do since, or that's been easier since I started my own business is actually cook. Yeah. Um, I'm not completely exhausted my, you know, so that I can actually stand and chop and do all of the prep work, um, that's helped. And so I can, and actually I have the brain power to be creative about what I'm making so that things are healthier. Um, and that's been, that's been a big plus too, to be honest. Oh yeah. Well, and you know what I you know, I've always been one who cooked. I don't, I've yeah. never done a lot of fast food. I mean, obviously if you're stuck across town and you have to eat and feed kids, you have to do something. But I cooked, I used to cook all day on Sunday. That was how I managed it with the commuting mm -hmm. was I would cook all day on Sunday. Then all I'd have to do when we got home would be to put a vegetable or a salad with whatever I cooked. Right. So it was great, right? I, I developed that structure, but coming out here, having where I am completely uh, remote, you know, not run, going into anybody's office. I have my own business now completely. Doing that has changed things tremendously because now I don't cook all day on Sunday. I do cook each night, but I also change what we eat. I'm not developing all of the recipes myself. I actually started getting Home Chef and I love it. I love it because it's like built-in portion control. Yeah. You know, and I'm learning new recipes and, you know, trying new things and I'll take and I might change things later to try it again because you get all the recipes and all that. So that's just the geeky part of me that, right. <laughs> that likes that part. But the built-in portion control was even more important than the diet aspect because I did cook from scratch and we weren't eating fast food and I don't buy soft drinks and so many of the other things that mm -hmm. they say are so detrimental to, and so prevalent in the American diet. Right. Yeah. And I think portion control is a big thing. I mean, I, I still, I'm still figuring that out. I, I'm 
half Sicilian, so everything <laughs> everything I cook is giant portions. Yep. Um, I also grew up in a household where we were always running from activity to activity, so oftentimes a lot of our dinners were fast food, and my sister and I because we were both um, athletes, we could tell you the fat content and the calorie content of the lowest, of, of the healthiest thing on every menu. So wow. we could tell you, so we knew, we knew, okay, if there was a Carl's Jr. nearby, we knew to get a grilled chicken sandwich and no fries. You know, we knew, <laughs> we, wow. we, we knew what to get um, so that we could be on the healthier end of this the fast food spectrum but i didn't cook for a very long time um and in fact um it's only really been since i've been with my husband that i've learned how to cook and tried to cook and um as it turns out i'm not a bad cook um <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i think by law being half sicilian you can't be a bad cook i think it's like you know you go to jail for that or something <laughs> yeah Maybe, maybe not. It's hard to say, but I, but, 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 um, but the other end of that spectrum is that, um, that my mom and my aunts are very good cooks and my grandmother, when she was alive, they're all very good cooks. And so there was no need for us to cook because right. when we were a family party, we, they could just handle it. So, um, but yeah, I think all of those things are really, um, have, have done a lot to make sure that, um, we're just, healthier on the on the whole and I you know I feel a lot better I have a lot more energy even though I'm sitting I'm sitting at my desk and I'm working as much now as I was when I was in the corporate world I'm not commuting the way that I was um you know I don't have to spend the same amount of time just kind of stressing and dealing with people um so it's generally a lot easier for me to to stay balanced well, and that, um, the stress part is something that I think a lot of people don't take into account. I know that commuting is extraordinarily stressful to me. Sitting in traffic, fighting traffic was driving me to distraction. Mm -hmm. um, what should have been, and I don't mind driving an hour if I can move the whole time. You know, if, yeah. if I'm moving, I'm good. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I pop in an audio book, you know, connect the iPhone, whatever listen to an audiobook, no problem. But the problem that I had was the actual traffic part. It was so stressful. And mm -hmm. Atlanta, for as genteel a city as it's supposed to be on television, I assure you it is not when people <laughs> are just like, I mean, <laughs> when people are just freaking out on the highway, it's just way too much. <laughs> it's just because yeah. well, I didn't grow up with that. I'm not used to it. Yeah. It drove me insane. I'm like, you know what? The fact that you're running late is not my problem. And it just, I just can't be stressed out about this. Yeah. And that's, that's something I think a lot of people don't take into account because I think stress probably negatively impacts your health more than anything else mm -hmm. um, that's going on. And I know a lot of folks say, well, just work out and that'll take care of it. Just working out doesn't always take care of it. Well, no, and that's not, and that's not something that's gonna, it, it, it's gotta be individual. I mean, yeah, you can, but Yes, it's important to be healthy and to move and not to be in a, you know, in a, if you do have to be in a car for an hour and a half, two hours a day, then that's fine. Then make sure that afterwards you do something that allows you to move. That doesn't have to be working out. That can be, um, 
you know, taking the dog for a short walk. That can be um, going outside and just kind of walking around and feeling the grass. That can be something small, um, you know, parking, right. at, parking at the far end of the parking lot when you're doing your errands and walking all the way in. It can be, it's something small that allows you to get more movement so that you're not sitting still and so that you can actually release the stress that's kind of hanging out in your body. Although the, I'm not going to go against the parking fairies if they give me a parking spot. No, right and now. I'm not either. <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> I don't either. If the parking gods are on my side, I'm going to thank them and take the parking spot. But if I can't, but if I walk up and, but if I drive up and there's no parking right near the door, then I don't mind going all the way to the back <laughs> and walking up. <laughs> well, and I want to mention one other thing, and this is um, particular, maybe it's particular to me, but I think that we need to exercise a certain amount of healthy skepticism about some of the things that we are told um, are the standard or the norm or the average and this, that, and the other um, by the medical professionals in our lives. I have personally had experiences where, one, I had one time when I went to a new doctor's office and you know how they take your whole medical history mm -hmm. and do you have high blood pressure in your family? Do you have this in your family? Do you have that in your family? And I'm like, no, 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 no. No. And the girl looked at me, this, it, you know, it was a physician's assistant. And she looked at me like, are you serious? You don't have any, you're, <laughs> you're a middle-aged black woman. Of course, somebody in your family has high blood pressure. No, nobody has high blood pressure. Of course, someone has diabetes. No, nobody's got diabetes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I was like, so the fact that no one in my immediate family has this is a problem? You know what I mean? Right. So they're so blinded with their own biases sometimes that they want to make assumptions about who you are and what your health situation should be. That's the first thing that I get concerned about. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I don't mean before anybody starts getting all upset, I don't mean every single doctor, every single PA. No. That's not what I mean, but it is very common, I think, for people to just assume, oh, middle-aged black woman, high blood pressure, diabetes, this, that, and the other. That's yeah. the first thing. The second thing is, I, I also think that sometimes they encourage us to do things that are not in our best interests um, because they're not looking at our individual situations. Mm -hmm. And case in point was the way I got sick this last time. I don't get sick. It's not something I do. And um, this occurred because my son decided to get the flu shot. He's 16. I, when the doctor said, well, do you want to, you should get the flu shot? I said, well, I'm gonna leave it up to you to make this decision. But um, most flu shots are only, you know, good against 60 to 70% of flu viruses out there. And you're probably going to get sick if you get the shot. And the doctor looked at me like I had two heads for telling my son this, which is the truth. You can go look this up, guys. If you don't believe me, go ahead and do the research yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the doctor looked at me like I had two heads for telling my son that. And my son saw the doctor look at me like I had two heads. And so he said, okay, I'll get the shot. And three days later, he was sick mm -hmm. and having to stay home from school. Well, and I think, you know, as part of that, 
Um, it, and, and that I think is with every, what doctors are telling us, but what kind of society as a whole is telling us too. Because if you think about like everything right now, there's a big push, at least in California, I don't know about other parts of the country, there's a big push in California about how veganism and vegetarianism is the healthy way to go. And don't get me wrong, eating more vegetables and eating more fruits and eating less meat is absolutely, it's beneficial for, on all kinds of levels. But what I can also tell you is that my body is such that I actually need protein. Yeah. I need meat protein. My body works better when I have meat protein. That doesn't have to happen at every meal. Um, but that's where my body thrives. And so if I were to switch and become vegan, I would actually get ill. I've tried it. I've tried the healthy vegan route and my body doesn't like it. And that's okay. And everybody is different. And everybody is going to need different things. And so when you have society or you have the medical profession or you have a generality where you walk in and say, oh, well, you weigh this much for your height and that's too much, but you are healthier than you have ever been, then follow your instinct and just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, I think that's really important. And also, guys, for those of you who are looking at all those blood pressure charts and all those other things, remember how they put those together. They got those blood pressure charts by measuring the blood pressure of medical students, which at the time they started that process, most medical students were white men, probably 20 to 26, 28 years old. In other words, young men in their prime. So why does that matter? Is the blood pressure of a 20 something year old white man likely to be the ideal for, let's say, you know, I'll go with myself, middle-aged black woman, very unlikely. Um, or, or in the case of your husband, he's very, very tall. He's a my big husband, guy. My husband is six foot eight and he's a large, he's, and he's, and he's a larger man. And so blood pressure is, is an argument we regularly have with his doctors because they want his blood pressure to be the same as somebody who is 5'10". And that's just not going to happen. His blood has to pump a lot further. The distance that his blood has to pump is a lot further than your average person that's 5'10". So you have to keep, you know, common sense is part of your own health. Yeah. We're not saying ignore the doctors, guys. No, anybody we're not says saying that. ignore the doctors. We're, we're saying, saying use your judgment. Yes exercise healthy skepticism do your own research think about what feels good to you how does your body feel its best you know and then go from there there's a there's a happy medium i think what do you think julia i i, I think there is i actually like i said I, th I think your body will tell you what it needs and how healthy you are. And you can tell that by how tired you are, by how, um, how your brain works, by how lethargic you are, um, how fast you can move compared to how fast you could move five, 10 years ago. There's all of these kind of clues that your body gives you. Um, and it's just a matter of paying attention to those and listening to those because your body is going to tell you what's best for you. And the most important thing, guys, is really just to make sure that you are making your health a priority in whatever way that looks like for you. For some mm -hmm. of us, it's, you know, like for me, like I said, um, diet was less of an issue, but portion control was an issue. Mm -hmm. um, 
working out, which I don't do the gym, but I love the hot yoga. Oh, the hot yoga. <laughs> That's the best stuff on earth, man. Um, getting massages. I encourage pampering yes. of yourself. So all of those things, however that looks to you, taking care of yourself is 100% your job, your responsibility. And if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to take care of others. And you certainly are not going to be able to do all those wonderful things that you want to do, growing businesses and rearing children and having healthy relationships and uh, making all the money and, and all of that. So how can you enjoy all of that if you don't take care of yourself? So that's what we want to encourage. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Julia, thank you so much for being on True Talk. Thanks for having me. Well, that's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michelleberard.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Now make sure you guys tune into the show on October 11, 2019, when my guest will be leadership coach and speaker LaToya Gadson. You can find us twice a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.